Hi, everybody. Um, as uh, you've probably been noticing, we've been dropping extra content on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays on occasion. And this one's a little bit different. Um, as you probably could tell from the last episode we released, a lot has gone on in the world since then. And... It's very hard for us to, one, make heads or tails of it, and two, uh, we want to be very careful with what we say and our message, because um, stuff kind of sucks. <laughs> There's a, a, a black man was murdered by a police officer in the United States, and for a little bit there, it looked like it was going to completely get away with it. And that doesn't mean he, he still won't. There's a chance that this guy will not be convicted. Even what he's been charged with, depending on how you want to look at it, even that's questionable. So, which brings us to this special episode. So you've probably heard me mention it on past episodes, but just as a refresher, uh, in November of last year, uh, there was a controversy with a black wrestler signed to the WWE. Uh, he now goes by ACH. At the time, he was Jordan Miles. And I wanted to talk to our good friend from uh, the Kings of Sport and uh, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show and the uh, Nubian Wrestling Advocates and <laughs> the Black Lightning Podcast and so many other shows, our good friend Nate Milton uh, about it. Because at the time, um, the idea was, is I wanted to have a black man on the show to talk about what essentially the the issue was and like I can explain it and I had, at the time I pretty much understood what the issue was but at the same time I as I mentioned quite readily in the episode my experiences as a white suburbanite Canadian are not the same as Nate's who is a black man who grew up in the south essentially so, um, fast forward, the, the file got lost. Um, I couldn't find it. I was disappointed because it was a very good conversation. About two weeks ago, I found it. Um, it was a little bit on the corrupted side. You'll notice that throughout this conversation, there's a couple drops. Um, there is a moment or two where Nate sounds like a uh, robot has taken over his voice, or as he puts it, possibly Disney. <laughs> um, and I started restoring it with the idea that uh, I'd put it out at some point, but not sure how. Um, maybe it would be a Patreon thing if we ever decided to do one. Uh, maybe it'd be a week if uh, we got sick and couldn't do a regular episode. I'd toss it out. Uh, something along those lines. And then last week happened, and I had this conversation with on on file. I wasn't quite sure what to do about it um, because it, it it's a very lighthearted conversation. Like we we tackle some 
fairly serious topics in it, but it's very much done in a good natured conversation between two buddies, um, as opposed to um, really hammering home the the serious nature of what the underlying issues of everything that we're talking about is. Uh, w- w- essentially, we were talking about racism and wrestling and a t-shirt is and and racism and geekdom and it, it's done with some laughs and some humor and i debated whether i should put this episode up or not it's it, i did not want to take away from the seriousness of what's going on in the united states right now and then don't get me wrong there's racism here in canada too and in some ways you can consider it even worse because it's not out and out. We tend to be very sneaky about it and very quiet about it and accepting of it, which that's got to change too. But right now, um, the U.S. is the, the focal point. So with that in mind, I edited the the conversation, not for content, uh, just for technical reasons and uh, to prep it to put, put it up listen to it um i like it but again i didn't want to undermine the the real sort of work that's going on so i contacted nate because you know it's it's not like we're out of contact (laughs) he's uh he's just been a little bit busy because he does ten thousand shows and you know and with real world events he's also having to deal with that like just on a mental health perspective i like I, I can't understand, and I will never truly understand, but the idea is to at least attempt to. So anyways, contacted Nate. Um, he said he was fine putting it up and thought it might be a good idea, and so here we are. Um, I didn't want to detract from it at all with putting up the theme song with it, so um, or anything like that, just a, a straight conversation between uh, Nate and I about uh, race issues and uh, wrestling and comics. So, yeah, um, hopefully this kind of, is, this acts as sort of a microcosm of stuff when you, you listen to it. And, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you can uh, you can follow Nate on Twitter at Nate uh, Mosaic, and his shows are uh, Kings of Sport, and uh, right now mainly Kings of Sport, Black Lightning podcast, and uh, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. But uh, he's got lots of stuff. If you go to his Twitter, you'll find the rest of it. And so I hope you enjoy this. And I hope um, for some people out there it makes them think. And I, I, I hope this just is sort of part of the, the solution as, as opposed to causing any more problems. Uh, oh, the one thing I, I, I will say is for a more serious version of a similar conversation... Uh, go over to our good friends at Post Wrestling. John and Way sat down with Nate and uh, uh, one of their reporters, Andrew Thompson, and talked about everything that's going on for about an hour. 
and it's it's worth listening to. It's it's under their review of raw episodes. You it'll be easy to find. So uh, yeah, without further ado, this is a conversation I had with Nate Milton in November of 2019. So I guess we'll we'll kind of get to it. Uh, as our listeners know, I'm a big wrestling fan. It's part of why I have, uh, been so happy to appear on, uh, your, uh, pay-per-view, uh, review show. Cause it gives me a t- chance to nerd out on that s- sort of stuff. But, uh, while I was in Chicago, a story broke with the, uh, with WWE's NXT, uh, with one of their performers and a shirt that when I saw it, I could like not believe there was no even thought of like, well, this shirt could have been something else. Uh, (laughs) It was just astonishing that the shirt for a black performer got to the the point where it was briefly for sale. Um, The, the performer in question is better known as ACH. He goes as Jordan miles now in NXT. Yeah. And... Which makes no sense at all. Like I, I don't. That's one of the things that 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 transcends race, I guess. In NXT, we just have to give these people dumb names. <laughs> oh yeah. I um to to go off on a little bit of a side tangent. Uh, I recently uh, listened to a podcast that reviewed No Holds Barred, the mm. the crappy Hulk Hogan movie from the eighties. But now, <laughs> as an adult. It's weird how much of into the mind of Vince McMahon that movie is mm. and where it also predicts the future of where Vince McMahon goes. And that <laughs> includes like if you look at everybody who is not Hulk Hogan or Zeus, they all have names that I can definitely see were on like the <laughs> NXT board like uh Lugwrench Johnson and shit like that. <laughs> It, it makes no sense. Like let's let's take somebody with a perfectly fine name and then give them something that is neither memorable nor does it fit the character. Nope, it's completely generic. They could have slapped that on to any of the wrestlers in NXT, and it would still be just as bland. But um, so let's let's sort of talk about uh, the the fact that um, from this it really got me thinking. Uh, and I just kind of wanted your perspective of, of it because you're you're a very well known wrestling fan, and uh, as well as a wrestling pundit, I guess would be the the best way of putting it. And does wrestling have a race problem right now? Mm. I guess you could say, Brent. I'm I'm kind of becoming the the Larry Wilmore to the wrestling world's daily show. Like I am the official black correspondent. Uh, <laughs> like there are worse places to be. I guess there are, there are worse comparisons you could give a person than Larry Wilmore, who I think is very smart and, and very funny. But, uh, I think wrestling doesn't have a racial problem as much as it has a culture problem, Brent. Okay. And this is something we this is something we talk about extensively on the first episode of the NWA podcast. In that, you know, I have people ask me from time to time, "Do you think Vince McMahon is a racist?" And I tell them, "No, I don't think Vince is racist, but I do think he's somebody who is so insulated from dealing with 
regular black folk or regular Latino people or regular gay people or anybody that's not within his circle. And then the the people that are of color or are of different sexual persuasions that he knows, they all work for him. So Vince really doesn't have a relationship, in my mind, uh, with somebody that could kind of take him aside and say, hey, Vince, this might not be the right way to go. Or, hey, Vince, maybe you should rethink this character. And because Vince thinks that way, a lot of the hires in the company are kind of built up in that culture. And so when you talk about this Jordan Miles t-shirt, which is, for those that haven't seen it, it's a black shirt with basically a smile with the with the lips outlined in bright red and then Jordan Miles uh, written in white that kind of symbolize the teeth. So if if you know anything about kind of the history and the imagery in in America when it comes to race relations, that it, it brings up the the image of a Sambo figure or a Gollywog type of figure. And so that shirt should have never gotten to the point where Jordan Miles had to raise a concern because five pairs of eyes should have seen it. And maybe it gets past the first two, Brent, but by the time it gets to the third person, somebody should have said, oh, hey, hey, boss, maybe this isn't the best way to go for this guy's T-shirt. And yeah. so I think when you don't have a, a diverse writer's room or when you don't have a diverse boardroom, a lot of the product that you put out doesn't really speak to minorities or, or women or gay folks or, or any other group that you can classify other than old straight white men. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it it's weird for me. This story sort of started a chain reaction of me thinking more about what the WWE has been doing in the last like year. And, um, much like you, when they took the belt off of Kofi, I, that was kind of my stopping point. And, mm. and that, that was partially because I, I just think the booking was stupid. Like it was just, I don't understand it. Still don't, especially no. after the, the show they did in the middle East, which is a, a whole other political can of worms. Um, but what, what do you think they can do to change this sort of thing? Do you think there's any hope uh, until Vince is gone, I guess, is the best way of putting it? And even then, does do things change? I mean, Vince is ultimately the be-all and the end-all. It doesn't matter who's underneath him, as we saw on this past Friday night, uh, or the Friday night following uh, Crown Jewel. Because of the travel issues, uh, quote-unquote, I'm just going to leave it there, Brent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the full story, so I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Uh, well, I but get it. Because of the travel issues, you had the NXT roster get called up, and the show felt different. The show felt dynamic, and people were like, wow, man, Triple H is doing such a great, great job. Triple H is doing this. Triple H is doing that. And as much as we want to give credit to Triple H, Vince still had the final say-so on everything that took place on that program. And so it's like, how can a guy be so kind of fresh and modern with the show that we saw Friday where his back was kind of up against the wall? But every other week we get kind of the typical Vince McMahon playbook that has seen some alterations since the 80s. But you can, like like you were tracing the NXT names back to No Holds Barred, you can trace a lot of Vince's booking decisions today back to what he did during the time of Hulkamania. Yes, very much so. But it's just like, I got to thinking, like it, it, it brought up a lot of thoughts for me of, 
you know, why didn't they keep Kofi as a champion or at least a strong champion, a strong loser in that championship match? But beyond that, in pro wrestling right now, we're seeing diversity come up, but there's still, to at least from you know this this white boy from suburban Ontario's eyes, <laughs> there's still not a huge amount of color when it comes to the uh, the title pictures in a lot of the companies. Um, I, I would say right now AEW you might be able to excuse because they they had to put some stars like their their top guys right on top right off the bat Mm. but at the same time is are they going to pull the trigger and and go bigger and uh, what about the nwa that's that is now starting to get more eyes on it as well like is is it time for somebody to really give a heavyweight title belt again to a person of color and let them have a good long run with it like other than kofi uh, who who do you put in that boat? I guess I guess Reigns does fit in that as well because of his Samoan background. Yeah, and but, technically you could you could say Rollins, even though the character he no, portrays on TV is like not Hispanic or Latino in any sense. You know what? That's very fair, and I I do kind of forget that that he his background is of uh, uh, very diverse as well. But do, do you think? There's a chance that the WWE will turn around soon and put like a belt back on Kofi, or uh, I th- I think Big E is a guy that has had limitless potential that they have just squandered. Yeah, well, I, I was calling for Big E to get the belt even before the the Kofi Mania run started, and so. I think it's possible, and I have people like Jimmy Corderas, a uh, former WWE official, uh, on Twitter that, that told me, you know, because the night Kofi lost, I, I was engaging with various people on social yep. media, and Jimmy was like, hey, I understand, you know, you, you didn't appreciate the way this turned out, but have faith, you know, this is a bigger story, and technically, you could tell a story, Brent, where Kofi wins the Royal Rumble after years of having all these highlight spots in the Royal Rumble. Oh, that's a very good point. And then goes on to beat Brock at WrestleMania for the title. But here's the thing, Brent. I don't have any faith whatsoever in this company to tell that story because really they haven't given me reason to have faith. You know, you could point to Kofi and his title run, but that was something that was thrown in their lap. That wasn't something they planned. Yeah. And so because of that, it, 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 makes me think that it's going to come from a company like AEW or the NWA or even Impact uh, in terms of who's going to be more diverse with their champions. And it's funny because uh, David Starr, who is a Caucasian wrestler, he had a tweet during the ACH uh, tweet storm. And basically, he said something that I've been saying for a long time, but it sounds less bitter when when somebody that looks like David Starr says it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And basically, he was like, in a world where people watch sports all the time and most of the top talent are black and brown performers, why is it in the one predetermined sport that all of your champions very rarely reflect the real world? And it's because the people in positions of power don't look like those champions in the real world. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it would be that hard. I, I think Vince and maybe some of the people 
Kofi the belt, or if we get Big E the belt, or somebody like Montez Ford, who I think, you know, in four or five years could be a top guy in the company. Oh, as a singles totally wrestler agree. that were cheering for Kofi. It was all fans that were experiencing that moment. So I think AEW's got a shot of doing it. I feel like they're a little bit more, and not to use the buzzword, but I feel like they're a little bit more progressive in their thinking than the mm-hmm. WWE. And and certainly, like, even the NWA, even though their whole gimmick, their whole shtick is old school, I feel like they would be more willing to give performers of color more opportunities than the WWE at this point. What do you needs to change? Like, if you could, if you can go in there as like a, uh, as an executive or a consultant and say, look, these are the things you need to change and, and things would be better on that front that would also benefit the company. I think the first thing that needs to be changed, and I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, is the XFL 2020 needs to be extremely successful. <laughs> so, so that way Vince can play with the new toy and leave the WWE to Triple H. Because even though I've got my issues here and there with Triple H, I do feel like race and kind of other categories that you could kind of put people in in order to kind of push them to the side triple h has less of an issue with that than vince in my uh, opinion Uh, vince is what 70 now yeah yeah so i i hate to put it this way some of it you can just chalk up to the age and era he grew up in is it sucks but there but in in theory triple h being a younger man has yeah. lived in a more modern world longer than Vince has because Vince, at, like you said, kind of at one point went into a bubble and has yet to come out. Yeah, and even with NXT, we've seen like people of all shades and and all shapes and sizes get opportunities. Where like it, just think of how long it took for Vince to start pushing smaller guys. Yeah, true. It took at least a good decade, maybe a decade and a half, uh, you know, really until we get to the Monday Night Wars, where he's almost forced to go to guys like Shawn Michaels and 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 folks like that. Because, uh, well, I guess it was the Monday Night Wars and also the steroid scandal mm. uh, that kind of forced him to go to the smaller guys. But he was holding on to those big dudes for the longest time. And even then, even after that, we still got the occasional hide and right. Or the occasional Ezekiel Jackson, occasion you know these big dudes that really brought nothing to the table. No disrespect to my uh, collectible signing one one year uh, when I was working at a card shop, and he seemed to be a cool person. Uh, but it was funny because like he had a decent crowd to come get his autograph, but. You know, in between autograph sessions, Heidenreich and I are just kind of chilling outside. Uh, this is when I used to smoke cigarettes. And so we were I was on smoke break. Heidenreich was out there. And he's like, hey, brother, you know where I can score some weed and meet some chicks in this town? I was like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like, <laughs> like maybe John Heidenreich. But even if I do, I don't know if I want to spend my weekend partying with Heidenreich. I don't I don't know how that scenario is going to turn out, brother. Uh, uh, I believe I, it is sort of like that scene <laughs> in The Wrestler where you wake up in a fireman's outfit in some <laughs> strange woman's house. <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 would be uh, that would be a fitting end to that story. Uh, but I think the biggest thing they could do, Brent, is diversify the boardroom and diversify the writers' room. Get younger. Get more ethnic. 
get more women in that room. And I think if you do that, the product will reflect the people that are creating the product. Fair enough. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it's what it's, I was already sort of starting to fall off the, the WWE wagon. I haven't watched raw or SmackDown in quite a while, but that, that, the story of, about ACH was just sort of like, uh, like, you know, it was like, it was a soggy bowl of bran flakes before, <laughs> like that had been sitting out for an hour. And then that story was just like, oh, and let's put some poo on it. <laughs> it and it's funny because I think when you look back at uh, ACH's tweet storm uh, following the t-shirt deal, mm-hmm. I feel like only... 30% of it was actually about the t-shirt. Yeah. And I think the other 70% is just about a dude that feels frustrated. And it's funny because outside of the kind of side swipe he took at Jay Lethal, which I think most people are like, mm, you probably shouldn't have did that. Yeah. Outside of that, I think a lot of fans are kind of, well, let me say a lot of black fans. <laughs> I can't speak for all fans. I did see some dissension from the other side, but I think it, it resonated with a lot of black fans because he was speaking to issues that we've had watching wrestling. You know, it's something that we love, but it's something that we feel a lot of times doesn't love us back in terms of the representation, in terms of the portrayal uh, on the screen. And so ACH, like I think a lot of people were responding to ACH, maybe not even because of the T-shirt. Like the T-shirt was the catalyst. It was a spark. But I feel like the frustration that fans have had over the years kind of bubbled over over the weekend because of of his tweets which which brings me up to come kind of my, my last point on on the wrestling side of things do you feel that the fans are the problem or, or part of the problem like um myself <laughs> I, I don't know if i'm in the minority or not really in, in terms of the the non uh people of color and diverse backgrounds of when my feelings on this but it's i've always it's it was kind of a downer because i've always seen uh wrestling and geek stuff as kind of a a world where we can all participate in and Mm. you can read about it especially in the last 10 years it's been getting more diverse but this, this honestly had me questioning like well maybe it's not just the company that's the problem maybe it's not me specifically, but people uh, of my race and fandom that are are becoming too tough to, in this age of internet negativity <laughs> to 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 get past some of these barriers. I think it's part of the problem. I think that any any niche group that you have, you'll have people that think that they're the gatekeepers. You'll have people that think that they are the ones that speak for everybody else, and, and again, you you know you'll find this. You know, Brent, you're, you're uh, a a big nerd like myself. You know, you go and go into some Star Wars message boards. Yeah, and you're gonna good. see some stuff that you probably don't want to be associated with. You know, uh, going to anybody that's talking about the the Marvel movies or, or the DC movies, and you'll find a vocal minority of people that just are closed-minded, a vocal minority of people who, and not to play pop psychologist here, but I think people feel ostracized themselves, and that's part of the reason why 
they can kind of turn to some of this stuff, but then they get so possessive over it that they don't want anything to change. And that limits diversity that limits the boundaries of what you can do. And so bringing it back to wrestling, I think that most wrestling fans are good people, black, white, brown, gay, straight, male, female, whatever. I think most of us enjoy this thing. We, we see it for what it is. It's not perfect, but you know, it's our form of entertainment, but you get a small vocal minority that will kind of try to shout down ACH or a vocal minority that will harass Nyla Rose on Twitter or the vocal minority that will be assholes to somebody like Sonny Kiss on mm. Twitter. And I think it's up to, it's not, not that, you know, we are, we are so high and mighty, but we're just not assholes. So it's up to the non assholes to kind <laughs> of check the assholes and be like, Hey, you know, it, it's everybody can have their opinions, you know, on wrestling, whether you like this guy, or you don't. But when it comes to bringing in racial stuff or talking bad about somebody's sexual orientation and things like that, that should be off limits. Yeah, I, I very much agree. Uh, Sonny Kiss is um, I, I'm kind of undecided on him as a performer yet i haven't seen enough of his stuff to really have one side or the other but what i am truly a fan of is how he handles himself on twitter he like the amount of garbage that guy must get thrown at him and how classy he is dealing with it with the occasional um sick burn on some (laughs) of the idiots that come out like it like it it must be sort of tiring i am amazed he has social media at all really in some ways but how he deals with it is fantastic yeah, yeah i'm a big fan of sunny kiss like i i've i watched sunny kiss not only in AEW but also in a uh, lucha underground and some other places uh in the indies and i think somebody asked me a week or so ago but you know what my thoughts were on sunny kiss and i was like i think he's a modern day version of Ricochet and exotic Adrian Street mashed into one. Yeah, I, I would completely go with that. Yeah, and like I think the one of the things I like about AEW is it feels like they're very respectful of the performer and the gimmick because you could tell. Like if if Sunny Kiss were doing this in the WWE, I feel like, and this is gonna sound crazy, Brent, but I feel like they would try to tell him, "Hey, Sonny, can you act more gay?" No, I I, I completely see that. Yeah, like like. To the point where he would be more of a caricature as yes. opposed to a character. Like, yeah. Uh, like right now he's portraying a character, and it's and in the WWE it would be a caricature of what they feel a flamboyant gay man should be like. Yep. And, and so that's why, like, I, I I love that he's getting this opportunity with AEW. And uh, I don't know if you saw they had a tag match the other week on AEW Dark with Sunny. And Dustin Rhodes versus the Librarian and QT Marshall, mm. uh, and it was a good match. But to me, the bigger thing was after the match, where Dustin kind of gave Sunny Kiss the uh, the rub, and you could just see kind of the genuine emotion on on the guy's face. And so, like, yeah, I hope that all of the good things in the world of wrestling happen to Sunny Kiss because he seems like somebody who is not only a good worker, but they got a good head on their shoulders. And dealing with not only the nonsense and the foolishness of being black in that industry, but also being black and openly gay. It's like, yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, he just continues to work hard and, and, and gets everything that he deserves. 
Yeah, uh, that's kind of my feeling for Nyla Rose as well. Yes, um, yeah. It's uh, in my case, it's a, a little bit more of uh, a, sort of a, a personal bias on her part. Is uh, I, how do I say this without because I haven't asked anybody about it. I know a fair amount of people now who are. Um, transgender, or in the case of a couple people, I know that they have kids that are at least gender fluid, that they haven't, these kids haven't quite made up their mind of which way they want to go or if they're going to go every way. Um, And it's nice for me to be able to point out in wrestling, like, there you go. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, and the thing with AEW that I like is, they have mentioned that stuff for both Sunny Kiss and Nyla Rose, but they yeah. haven't made a big deal out of it. It's normal, and that I think is part of the key, at least for me. And I, I wish that WWE would have had the nuance to be able to do that with Darren Young, because I thought he could have been somebody that could have been a real inspiration and a, and a role model to somebody. You know, talking about representation, like we've got a guy wrestling in the biggest company in the world that's openly gay, and it's not a big deal. He's just as valued as everybody else on the roster. Yeah, and and it sort of surprises me in some ways. Um, yeah, I, he's still a little bit on the green side. Uh, what's his name? Uh, he was wrestling in MLW for a while. Uh, Pero Poro. He's a big, huge white gay guy. Like mm. he is like, like other, other than his sexuality, he is the type of guy that Vince likes. Like he, he would be right at home beside Braun Strowman. And mm. to me, I'm kind of surprised that more places haven't tried to get this guy his like from twitter he seems very well articulate he is not afraid of uh speaking his mind that that like in mentioning that he's gay he posts pictures of him and his boyfriend all the time or sorry i i think husband they may be they might be married now Mm. uh and like guys like that like we there should they should be normalized at this point and be out in all the leagues but uh, maybe I'm just have a little bit of wishful thinking, but at least AEW seems to be giving it a good shot. Yeah, I think like AEW is not perfect, but I really enjoy the in-ring stuff. I enjoy the presentation, and I think that you know the fact that they just had their match for the tag team titles to crown their first ever tag champs, and it was between a team with you know a black guy and a white guy, and then a team of two Mexican luchadors. And that's a small thing, but it's it's a it's a cool thing because it's like, yeah, we we don't care. You know, like Nyla Rose wrestled for the AEW women's title the first night, you know, of the of the show when it was on TNT. Like those are big things like they're not. And, and the thing is, like you said, they don't make a big deal out of it. You know, it's just these are our performers and, you know, we're going to put the best people out there regardless of their sexual orientation regardless of their race we're going to put the best people on tv and give you guys a great show uh, it, it, i feel a little bit better now nate thank you for being my my racial therapist <laughs> i guess maybe just it's like it's it's weird it was between that and um part of the reason i was in chicago with my wife it, it was our anniversary and mm. uh i'm not sure if you know this uh we're both big toy collectors and just outside of chicago there is a massive uh retro toy show called the kane county toy toy fair 
Okay. And I went in. Uh, it, it's a great show. But the one thing that kind of like I went, oh, really? Was there there's a big section where it's dolls of all types, a lot of Barbies, things of that. And then there was this one vendor that on the, the end of the row clearly displayed were a whole whack of uh, stuffed dolls and plastic dolls that uh, fit the, the gollywog description that you gave earlier for the t-shirt. And part of me was like, like, I know there's sort of a history behind that stuff. But I, I couldn't decide of like should shows like that be saying you know what you can't sell those here, or is it better to have that out in the open so you can point out the, <laughs> the people, and, and as opposed to like because there is a collector's market for it they'll just go somewhere else to sell it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Either way, it's just like if. if I was a black guy walking into that show and I'm ready to be buying shit ton of star Wars stuff. And then I saw that it would be kind of a downer to me. At least I just came here to pick up a Lando figure. And this is, this is how you do me toy (laughs) convention. (laughs) Coincidentally, Uh, I was looking for a Lando figure and I couldn't (laughs) find him. Nobody had the one that I was looking for. (laughs) Oh, see, it's funny because I've, I recently ended my, uh, my star Wars, and 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 I am now ready to re-embrace Star Wars th- this year. Uh, Sorry, you know, I was, re- I was that? It, it, we got kind of cut off there for a second. I think you that was re- Disney. Tra- yeah, did your your Star Wars? Uh, yeah, Dis- Disney was trying to shut me down because I just said I was ended my Star Wars boycott that I that I had oh. been waging for the past few years. Uh, but now that Lando has been brought back into the fold, I can. Wear my cape in the theater, Brent, and, and, and embrace the, the universe like everybody else. I, I really hope that capes make a fashion comeback for just everybody. <laughs> but uh, now speaking to, the, to that instance, like, it's funny. Like, if he was going that far, he might as well have had, like, VHS copies of Song of the South available as well. I, I have been to shows where I've seen that pop up, and it's just like, dude, what... I know they're hard to get, but there's a reason why Disney doesn't put that out. <laughs> I <laughs> secretly, like, I, I, Marcus and I talk about the Son of Kings Sport. I secretly want them to release it just so people know. Like Disney has a past. Disney made know, propaganda uh, cartoons. Disney made Song of the South. Let's put it out there. I think honestly, the way to do it is this came up a couple years ago. Uh, I'm a big Looney Tunes fan, mm. and I bought a number of uh, Blu-ray sets of the the cartoons that are all they're kind of in chronological order. So you get to some of those things that would not fly now. Yeah. And what Warner Brothers did is they have before. E- that batch of cartoons start, especially like the World War II propaganda stuff, is they throw up on screen a disclaimer saying, like, look, we know this isn't good. We know these are racist, but we also realize that this is a part of history that should be now treated in a different light than it was then. Yeah, Don't take these as we're promoting. This is just it's part of our history and part of the chronology, and it sucks. But you should see this just so you know how bad people can kind of get like during this sort of stuff. And I kind of think Disney should do that with uh, Songs of the South. I don't think they should put it on like put it for sale. But Disney Disney Plus maybe do it on yeah. uh, in a month. 
like and not have it up all the time maybe have it on the month and do a thing like that i know there was something else maybe it was a looney tunes or maybe it was a disney thing where they had Whoopi goldberg come out and basically do the same sort of disclaimer yeah i think I, I, I think, think that might have been uh for disney with Whoopi. Yeah, so doing something like that might not be a bad idea. Uh, yeah, because so the other thing that other thing that does Brent is because right now, if you want it, you've got to go to some collectible show, or you have to go to quote unquote Southern Hair the Power from sites like that. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad idea. They like it, make it then there, there's less demand for it, right? Yep. Yeah, that, that way you don't get paid for your racism. Southernheritage.com. <laughs> and and you know, if if for some reason you do want to do a sale, put it all like put all the money from the because Disney can afford it, put like yep. 90% of the money from the Songs of the South Blu-ray, give it to like the United Negro College Fund or the or like just schooling, education, so, something along that. Something yeah. to really piss off clan members. Put, put it in, put it into the budget for Black Panther two. Oh yeah, there you go. Because that we put it into the CGI budget. Because that to me is the only the only flaw in Black Panther was the CGI in the third act. So take the Song of the South money, put it on the CGI, so we can get better rhinos. Uh, the, and this is why I have you on, Nate, is because you're very well spoken. You know what you're talking about, and at the end, everybody's feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it's it's funny, Brent, because it's it's like I don't understand why people want to make things that should be happy into an argument all the time. Like oh, even, I think you and I talked about this last time uh, I was on your show. Like even if it's something you don't like. You don't have to say it. Like, I I didn't like uh, I didn't like uh, Captain Marvel as much as other people did, but I didn't go on Twitter for weeks and weeks on end saying that Captain Marvel is terrible and Brie Larson hates man and all this other stuff because I have better things to do with my time, Brent. Yeah, no, I know. I I I find as I'm getting older. I, I, I'm more like that more and more like, like I used to be a horrible, uh, music Nazi when I was a teenager, like, like if it wasn't <laughs> something I was listening to, it was garbage. And now, now it's like, I default to, you know, it's just not for me, you know, yeah. like whatever it is, it's, it's not. And a lot of times it's not meant for me to begin with. So like who? Like I saw when uh, when they announced the new Catwoman. Like people got mad about that, Brent. Like, are there really twenty and thirty year old white guys out there who are caping up so much for Julie Newmar that we protesting Catwoman? Yeah, uh, like, like I, I know, love Julie Newmar like, as much as the not, next person. Like, Julie Newmar was great, Brent, but yeah. I, I don't give a damn about Catwoman. Like. I... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I like actually I thought that was really good casting. It, it's a way to diversify it a little bit and she's a good actress. Yeah. And it means I get to make the jokes for like at least another 2 months about how now Aquaman is Catwoman's stepdad. <laughs> oh yeah, it's oh man, that I love I love uh I love Zoe Kravitz. She's great. Uh but here's the thing, Brent. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. Like 
why are people and and maybe you know I I know like I'm a fan of comic books. I'm a fan of superhero stuff. But if somebody's race isn't integral to their character, why do people get so hung up on changing the character? For instance, if you make Black Panther a white guy, that fundamentally changes the character. Yeah. But if if you make let's say it's hard because I'm trying to think of the black character who in comics who isn't tied to their blackness because that's a thing. Uh, yeah, you get kind of hard. Um, uh, no, there's got to be one in there. Uh, probably. Is there an X Men? Bishop. So okay. Many mut- does, there's got to be does, one in there. Does Bishop have to necessarily be a black man? Like I haven't read all the Bishop comics. Like no, could, no. Could you make a really. white Bishop? I, I think you could, but then he doesn't look nearly as cool. <laughs> no, he doesn't look nearly as cool. But it, Lee came up with it, or Wells Pachinko came up with. And I, I think it go, like it goes the other way too, Brent. Like I think like you can have a black Batman, but I don't think you can have a black Bruce Wayne. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and and I think where you get around that is stuff like Black Black Panther. Really, is yeah. you, you get something similar, but I I would argue now this is probably going to get me in shit with some stupid fanboy, but <laughs> if you wanted to do something like that, I could I would argue that like Marvel could make Moon Knight black. There's mm. no real reason why they couldn't, and he yeah. is kind of their version of Batman, just a little bit crazier. Yep. Well, it's like uh, like uh, Iron Fist. Like, why? And, and, you know, I thought Finn Jones improved over time, but why did Iron Fist have to be a white guy? Yeah. Um, originally, uh, and I will be the one fully admit to this, originally I was on the boat of, well, it's part of his story because he's the outsider in an Asian, uh, like, fictional land. Like, this land hmm. doesn't exist. But there's... It, I. I have uh, one of my cousins is uh, adopted. He won't, he won't mind me talking about this because we've had this conversation in public. Um, and his nationality is uh, his thought. What his thing was is the same thing that I've kind of heard from other people about other characters. I'd never heard it that way. He's like, yeah, it is, but there's no real reason why it couldn't be just because it's not a, 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 place in reality to begin with like it's not yeah. like a white man being in japan this is a fictional place just have him because he's an outsider not from there mm-hmm. he could still be asian and still kick ass yeah <laughs> you know that, it's completely and he's like and for me it would have been nice to see somebody like me in the lead role of it and mm. uh, and when he put it to me like that i'm like you know what you're dead right i i've been completely and utterly wrong on this side of the the topic from the get-go so yeah i i completely agree and you know it's i i think they were trying to write that a little bit when calling wing got the the iron fist powers at the end of that series but uh, yeah now who knows if we'll ever know <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think we will i don't think we will i think we're getting a couple of those people back i don't think we're getting all of them <sighs> I, see, I don't even know how you how you integrated Brent because it it feels like and now that I guess the the door on the uh, who is it Pearl Mutter and Loeb I guess the the door on their run is over. 
Yeah, you can't really blame Jeff Loeb, though. He was kind of following orders, and I think out of everybody, he's the one who got the short end of the stick. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I just wish there they would have been more cooperation between the two sides, and now it's like, yeah, like they, like uh, your, your man Feige, now that he's got all the stones in the Disney Infinity Gauntlet, he is just snapping left and right because Cloak and Dagger's gone. I think once Runaways finishes this season, they'll probably be gone. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're gone. And it's too bad, from what I've heard, Cloak and Dagger was was really starting to pick up some steam. It's, yeah, it's like on Cloak a channel a lot. I yeah. can't really get, so I haven't seen much of it. Yeah, like it was something, uh, and it was it was perfect because they ran their their episodes in the spring, and so when my nieces were up for spring break, we would watch it, and it was it was. Just adult enough that I could enjoy it, but it was also aimed at, you know, teenagers. And so mm. my oldest niece in particular really liked it. And I thought the kids that they had playing Cloak and Dagger, like if if I'm Feige and if I ever want to do Cloak and Dagger on one of these shows or put them in, you know, the the, the what if show or, or, or you know, WandaVision or however you want to, you know, you could throw them in anywhere. I would still go to those two kids because they're young enough. And they were good enough in those roles that I think people would still enjoy seeing them in it. Yeah, and and realistically, if they want to bring anybody, any of those things in, you just blame the snap. It, it's like, oh, I messed a whole whack of stuff up. <laughs> Between that and the, the time travel shenanigans of the Avengers, yeah. there's really no excuse not to bring those guys in other than contracts and they're already filming other things. I, I I will go on record now as I will be amazed if Charlie Cox doesn't show up as Daredevil in the next Spider-Man movie, like Ooh. or or more as Matthew Murdock than anything else. I like, like that a lot. Like, I like that a lot. I think, yeah, I think out of all of the defenders, Charlie would probably be the best one with the shot of crossing over. Maybe maybe Ritter as Jessica Jones. Uh, I would Mike. Uh, what's his name? Um, Mike Coulter, the, Mike the guy Coulter? who was playing Luke Cage. Yeah, I, I think he could too because he looks like a guy who like just generally keeps in shape regardless. And he, uh, he's, he, I, th- I think he's going to be one of those guys who, uh, kind of like uh, Luke Gossett Jr. Like he won't age until he hits like seventy, and <laughs> then it's going to hit him like a truck. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Mike Coulter was really good, and he really started to grow into the role. It's it's unfortunate though because I wish there was a way that they that either Marvel or Disney or Netflix or whoever like whoever made the ultimate decision could have had some foresight because yeah, there was a way to particularly now that Feige's involved so heavily with Disney Plus and the Marvel TV. Mm-hmm. There's a way that you could have integrated those characters and, and made it all work. And like you said, there's a chance they could still do it. But I, I don't know, like the way contracts work and will they have to sit out and all this other stuff is like they they had a golden opportunity and they're still going to make money. They're still going to make a boatload of, of cash. But uh, I wish there was a way that we could have got these characters uh in the Marvel universe proper. Uh, but at least we got Marshall Ali as blade. So that's, that's one thing we got going for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also love that story too. <laughs> he wins an Academy award and like two days later calls up Marvel for a meeting and basically says, I want to play blade. And Kevin Feige <laughs> goes, I guess we're making a blade movie now. 
<laughs> uh, which is great, which is great. And I hope they do some type of shout out to Wesley Snipes. Just because that that like Blade is a an important movie that nobody remembers because without Blade and, and I guess Spider Man and X Men and all in that same time period, like people didn't take superhero movies seriously. And, and Blade mm-hmm. was one of the first ones where they're like, Oh, not only can we take it seriously, but it actually made a little bit of money. Yeah. And and the first two were pretty good. Uh yeah. Third one, nah. we'll blame Triple H for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's part of it. Uh, I, uh, that, and I, I believe there are reasons why you won't see Wesley Snipes in Blade ever again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, there's I, I it's weird for the. For that side of my nerddom, I have a lot of hope that like diversity seems to be coming fast and furious now. Like the um, somebody suggested uh, for the She-Hulk TV show, like the popular one's Ronda Rousey, and I'm like, eh, she can't really act. No. Um, but one of the ones that showed up that I'm like, oh yeah, there we go, is because she's not tied to the the Netflix Marvel verse anymore. Rosario Dawson. If they're Ooh. doing the um, the lawyer version of She-Hulk, yeah. would be perfect. Like it just has the sassiness, has the attitude, and again, there's no reason why race would really have to come into play with that. You know, it's other than you have to figure out how she got her Hulk powers. But there's a yeah, million ways you can now explain that. It's so. like blood, blood transfusions. Yeah, and even then, there's is there any real reason Rosario Dawson couldn't be a cousin or second cousin to Mark Ruffalo? Not yeah. really. At this point, not in this. It's not like 1952 where that would be odd <laughs> or or slightly rare. It's like these days, it's you know, it, there's nothing to it. Um, all right. Well, well, thank you very much for sitting down with me. I, I, I love talking to you. This is part of an excuse to have you on as per always. That's why. But at the same time, it's, you know, you get to thinking about this stuff and I, I don't want to... I, like I said, I'm a, a white guy from sur- suburban Ontario, and my experiences are definitely going to be different than yours. And as much as I would like to say that I'm, I'm, uh, what what do the kids term it as? A, a woke person or whatever <laughs> um, is you know you always have to kind of wonder. And I, I also I also want to like kind of grow as a person and make sure that like because. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this on air, but you and I have more or less known each other for probably around a decade now, uh, like the, through the magic of the internet. We've never yeah. met in person, but it's been probably around 10 to 12 years, I figure. Yeah. And I, I consider you a friend, even though we've not met. And part of it is like, is now with my thinking with a lot of this stuff is, well, how would my friend feel about this shit? You know what I mean? So luckily we have Skype and I can call you. <laughs> like, like, am I being a racist dick here or am I not being, am I not being woke enough in this situation? <laughs> well, it's, it's all about conversation. I think that's why podcasts are such a great form of entertainment because yeah you can get some laughs yeah you can nerd out about stuff but you can also 
learn something or, or you know, hear a different perspective if you're open to hearing it. And that's why, like, one of my favorite shows is uh, uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and uh, Fat Man on Batman. Now it's uh, Fat Man Beyond. Oh, okay. Because you got both of these guys who are super nerdy. Uh, like, we, uh, Kevin Smith will cry at the drop of a hat. He'll cry at the first sign of a parademon because he's so nerdy. Yeah, and they Mark, should put him in a room with Ric Flair one of these days. Just nothing but nothing but saline. Uh, <laughs> but but like Mark and Kevin, like I think like what makes that show work and what a lot of the shows I do, like I want I want to have that same vibe. Is you can have different backgrounds and different lenses through which you see things, but at the end of the day, there is something that is a commonality. And in terms of wrestling or in terms of sci-fi or superhero stuff or comics uh like there's something that brings us together and our similarities should outweigh the minor differences and when there are serious issues that come up serious issues that arise i think too often people get into their corners and get ready to fight instead of sitting down and talking and listening to each other so i'm I'm glad uh we were able to hook up again on on these uh airwaves my friend even though disney tried to shut us down uh (laughs) but but i think like the more we talk like there's somebody out there like that and and it's funny because i had somebody from the old live audio wrestling group write me once and they were like i live i think they might have lived in uh edmonton oh okay Uh, and they're like I have never met a black wrestling fan in my life, and I didn't know like black people really liked wrestling until I heard you on these shows. And the stuff that you say gives me things to think about. Like I don't always agree with what you say, but I always think about the things you say and, and I process it. And so I think that's a that's a step, Brent. That's a step in the right direction is having conversations and and being honest with each other. So uh, that was it for uh, my discussion with Nate Milton. Again, uh, that discussion was done in November of 2019. So that's uh, it's a little late, but uh, I think the content is, it's a little bit on the light side, but, you know, still timely, unfortunately. So, um... Just to end off here, uh, times are a bit on the tough side. And there's not a lot of money to be thrown around uh, regardless of, for a lot of people. But uh, if you want, just share the show out. And who knows? It might help change somebody's mind. It might make somebody feel better. I, I really don't know, but hopefully it's doing some good. Uh, if you do have some money to to give, there's uh, BlackLivesMatter.com, and in Canada, there's uh, BlackHealthAlliance.ca, and uh, Nate also suggested uh, Justice for uh, Briona uh, .org, which is a website dedicated to. Uh, getting justice for a young EMT who was uh, gunned down in her sleep by police. Um, Yeah. So uh, you can find that website if you want to know more and maybe help out if you can at uh, justice for F O R uh, Briona B R E O N N a dot org. You can find more information there on what they're doing 
and how you can maybe help out and maybe put a little money there to, to help them out. In the meantime, uh, we have something new coming up this following uh, Monday, and then we'll have a regular episode. Hopefully, things will be a little bit lighter, but, um, you know, the way the world is, we're probably going to be discussing this uh, steadily for the next little while. And, you know, that's a good thing, too, because this needs to be discussed and things need to change. Uh, Thanks again to Nate Milton for... uh, helping out uh, with a couple ideas and a couple other things and for just being a good dude. <laughs> and in the, the meantime, you can find him on Twitter at Nate Mosaic, and you can find his various podcasts through that. But I highly recommend uh, The Kings of Sport and uh, The Rocky Maivia Picture Show. So um, Kings of Sport especially, I'm sure he'll be doing... Uh, a lot of updates and thoughts on where things are going uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, above all else, I hope uh, you're all safe and I hope you're taking care of yourselves. Until next time, uh, be safe, everyone.